Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to On Communication, the podcast brought to you by the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University. I'm your host, James Loss, and I'm here to bring you in-depth conversations with faculty and friends of the college. We like to talk about journalism, advertising, public relations, creative media, and so much more. Just as long as we all get to learn something new, and I am sure you will. So once again, welcome, and we are so glad you decided to join us today. On today's episode, we will be discussing female representation in public relations. To help us with this, I am joined by Dr. Debbie Davis, an assistant professor of practice in the College of Media and Communications. Now, Dr. Davis, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. This can be a bit of a sensitive topic, but it is an important and very relevant topic at the moment. So I'd like to start off with maybe just a little bit of an overview of your career, um, what you've done in the industry of public relations up until now. My career actually began in TV news. I was a TV news producer for 10 years before I moved into healthcare public relations. And I primarily worked in hospitals initially, and then I moved into pharmaceutical, where I helped launch two uh, drugs for uh, Eli Lilly in the U.S., and then I went to work for WellPoint, uh, which is now uh, Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and helped with the $20 billion merger there. Wow, okay. So over the course, how many years would you say you have in PR? Uh, more than 20. Yeah? Okay, wow. And then in the college itself, in the College of Media and Communications, what's kind of your role right now? Sure. Um, right now, my I'm just finished my third year at the university. Um, in addition to being an assistant professor of practice, I'm the faculty advisor and teach uh, RaiderCom, which is our student-run public relations agency. Um, and I've been the assistant chair of the public relations department this past year. And then in the fall, I'll be the assistant dean for undergraduate curriculum and instruction. Wow. Okay. So yes, I definitely picked the right person to talk to today because that is a whole lot going on right there. And in terms of what we are talking about today, um, I'd like to lead us into it maybe with like a little bit of an anecdote, so to speak. This summer, the College of Media and Communication is hosting a study abroad program for two public relations courses, uh, their graduate courses. And the classes tied to the trip are PR classes. So if you want to go, you're in a public relations course. And I'm in the course not for the public relations side, but because I got a great offer from Dr. Callison to make a documentary about the trip. So me included, there's about 13 or 14 students, I believe. And of those students, 11 to 12 are female and then two are male. And like I said, I'm not there for the public relations side. I'm there because of this offer I got. So really, it's only one male in the class. And that seems to be, at least what I've been told, that seems to be the norm when it comes to public relations classes, majors, and the industry itself. Does that sound accurate to you? Um, yes, definitely the field is uh, more heavily focused uh, with women. Um, I would say the classes that I've taught as in, for, in our undergraduate program have been half to 75% women in the class, uh, more uh, a better percentage than what you mentioned for your particular class. Uh, but we definitely do see more women uh, studying public relations, okay. at least initially, yeah. Right. Do you maybe have any ideas or any experience that would speak to why that is? Well, I think in part, public relations in general um, is not necessarily something 
that students think of when they graduate from high school and go to college. So um, they, they, they tend to find their way in, in different, different ways and reasons um, getting into the PR program. So sometimes um, it's just that there's different career aspirations initially after graduation and then, you know, uh, more men and women get into PR even after they graduate. So um, it's certainly appealing to, to females because it's an opportunity to, to multitask and to do a lot in a wide variety of fields that they might be interested in, such as um, fashion, sports, um, po politics, all kinds of things. So there's just a lot of different avenues that they could potentially take. And I have a lot of statistics here. and I don't want to go through all of them because it's, I mean, kind of the same thing. Or at least it makes the same point over and over. The statistics aren't the same, but it makes the same point over and over. I'll start with one um, from the Institute for Public Relations. And they say that 63%, um, sometimes higher, so we'll just say roughly two-thirds, two-thirds of public relations specialists are female. And yet when it comes to the heads of the firms, they're looking at 80% being male. So CEOs and the big executive positions. I mean, and that just seems to speak to a larger, larger problem that we've kind of always had in the business world and society. And it's something that's left over from, you know, many, many generations before, you know, either even you or I were on this planet, right? It's just a long embedded idea that's unfortunate. If you had some type of advice, you know, for the women that are trying to get into public relations and they're trying to bridge that gap because it can be a pretty disparaging statistic to read that. So if you had some advice, maybe what would you say? You brought up a really good aspect of this and that's the idea that while it shows in public relations, it's also symptomatic of something across the business industry. We are certainly doing some of the same things in public relations that the rest of the business world is doing whether that's trying to identify talent, um, trying to make the workforce uh, better uh, or the work-life balance better for males and females. Um, and also um, providing mentorship um, to help those move up in the ranks. So all of those different things are things that the business world is doing, but also the PR industry is doing to try to increase the number of women and other um, uh, even ethnic minorities um, in, in public relations to, to be able to move up into leadership. Because one of the biggest challenges with public relations is uh, like many other things, the more diverse you are, the better you are. And so we need more people from a diverse set of backgrounds in order to be able to do our best. Um, have you witnessed or what are some of those um, initiatives that people are taking, that businesses are taking to kind of overcome that gap? Um, I, I can't specifically name an organization because I think that there's a lot that are going across um, just a lot of industries. So, right. so one, you know, certainly one of those is 
looking at how they're structured. And, and certainly the pandemic has brought this to the forefront even more. You know, what are the, the parent-friendly or even just human-friendly policies that they need? I think we've, we've recognized also that you, it's not just about um, being helpful for parents, it's being helpful to everyone. So even as a, even a single female or male, you know, might have the same interest in having a work balanced life. So um, I think we're moving beyond that idea of it being parent, you know, trying to be parent friendly to being more human friendly. So I, I think a lot of the workplaces are, are looking at that. And post pandemic, we're seeing uh, different organizations come out with policies that allow for more and more remote work and a more flexibility in hours that you work as long as you get the work done. Um, the second is professional development, trying to offer opportunities for people to grow. And again, people of a diverse background so that again, you bring that diversity up into the organization. Um, the, third, the third is mentorship. So whether that's um, a one-on-one -on -one or small group settings, but trying to help people grow and, and um, br help grow within an organization so that it's not about just trying to hire in, but growing within the organization. Okay, so a component of the first point you brought up was just the traditional gender roles. You mentioned, you know, um, the working from home and being, you mentioned being a parent, correct? Uh, something along those lines. So you think that kind of um, just the traditional societal roles that we see as gender, you think that kind of puts a barrier for females when they are looking at promotions maybe, or just extra work because they come to that stage in their life where maybe they want children. And, you know, that's a, that's a two-way street. You know, a, a husband has to deal with children as well, but you think that affects females more? Well, I think that, that that's, again, why it also goes back to being more human-friendly. So initially, um, one of the challenges for women to move up was whether or not they were in a parent-friendly environment. You know, when I was in my uh, first, when I had my first son, I was a TV news producer, and I would be criticized for leaving during my lunch hour to go check on him at the daycare. You know, so right. ultimately, things like that helped me make the transition into public relations because I thought that it would be more fam family friendly as well as um, provide me with some challenges that I was missing in producing. Right. So, but at the same time, I think we're le also learning from millennials and Gen Zers that everyone wants that work balance life. So it's not just about trying to, to worry about women who will become or could become parents. It's about making sure that both men and women have a work-life balance from the beginning so that they're not making choices at some point based on that, because you're absolutely right. It, you know, traditionally it was about the, the, the woman in the workplace and, and their parenting, and we're seeing a much more equitable situation now between mothers and fathers. But you might also have a, you know, a, a single male who 
has other interests outside of work or is taking care of a, a, an elderly parent or all those things. So I think we, the workplace has realized that it's not just about that gender role and that there's probably, there could have been some things that perhaps kept men back as well that could have risen in the organization. Right. And like we said earlier, this, this really applies to um, all businesses. This just applies to careers in general. And the reason we have it framed here in public relations is because coming from the College of Media and Communication, we like to keep our subject matter within the college. But this is a, a, a very widespread issue. And it feels like we are, as a society, making moves in the right direction, like you said. But do you think it's going to take a while until... I mean, I don't know if Eden exists, if Euphoria exists, but uh, Utopia, I'm sorry. But do you think it will take a while before we get there? Or I, I think that we're, we're making uh, large strides. And, I, and you know, I, some of that comes out of the pandemic. And I think some of it's coming out of the millennials and the Gen Zers who have a different aspect or different viewpoint, I should say, of, about work-life balance and what they expect out of life. And I think right. it's all healthy. I, I think they're seeing their parents. Um, and, and again, you know, it, whether it was in um, public relations and other fields that are within the college, journalists, et cetera, that had a lot. Uh, many careers were based on working long hours and showing that you were at your desk. Right. And uh, so we're seeing that move away from that. Right. Yeah. I've seen a lot of articles lately. You know, uh, we mentioned the pandemic earlier, putting a, a spin on the typical work life balance. And I've seen a lot of articles lately that are saying there's really no need to go back to the office anymore. It, it would save companies a lot of, you know, um, rent money and stuff like that, leasing money. Um, so I agree that this work life balance is going to probably put a big, um, a good push in the right direction for this topic that we're talking about. And another thing that, well, at least I'd like your opinion on if it's going to help or not. When I was doing research to have this conversation, um, there was a lot of, well, you know, shockingly, actually, there wasn't a lot of research articles, formal research articles coming out of universities and whatnot. Um, but there was one, and it actually mentions in the article the lack of scholarship around the topic. But I'm kind of curious if you think the academic research, the scholarship of this problem will help or if we need something more practical rather than just publishing papers about it? I, I think that it's multiple forces at once. Okay, so okay. I think the academic aspect certainly helps. And I certainly, and that falls into, you know, this recognition that we uh, not only need uh, diversity in our scholarship, but we need more diverse authors. Um doing the research in the first place so that they're asking some different questions. Um, right. And, and so, but that in combination with work with professionals. So um, we're seeing a lot more professional academic collaboration in public relations these days. Um, there's the Institute for Public Relations that um, uh, has a heavy basis on research, but um, also does a lot to try to partner between academics and professionals. The Commission for Public Relations Education also it tries to include a balance of academics and professionals so that we're uh, understanding 
not only how we're teaching, but what we should be teaching from the industry and not just from the research that we're doing. Um, and lastly, with Public Relations Society of America, that's our largest PR organization. And there's a lot there trying to blend that academic and professional to try to make sure that we're moving the profession forward. Would, I mean, do you agree about kind of what I said about the lack of um, research articles or, and if you do, why do you think that is? I agree with you. Uh, but in part, I think it's just because some of uh, research actually in public relations uh, has, was lacking for quite a while. And so we're seeing uh, more growth in, in public relations research, formal research. But I think as there's been more of an interest in understanding diversity, uh, not you know gender and ethnic, then that's prompted the need for more academic research about the PR industry. Okay. So we have established that public relations is for anyone. You can make it to the top no matter what gender you are. So maybe we could talk about some opportunities for, you know, let's say a student is listening to this. How do they get into the field and how can they continue to rise in the field? That's a great question. So I think um, first and foremost, it, it's to make sure that you're a type of person that wants to continue to learn whether that's in your classes, um, outside of your classes, participating in extracurricular activities, um, but also wanting to carry that through once you graduate. And, that, and while that could mean a master's degree or a doctorate, um, it's just being naturally curious and being curious about the world. Um, and so that opens the doors to all kinds of different things because public relations is also a field that's rapidly evolving. Um, the second part of that is to understand whatever environment you do go into in your first job or your third job and look for ways to be a person of influence. Understand the business side of the, of, of the, the organization and how you can be involved in that. Um, when I went to work at, um, it was Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, then it became Wall Point, and then after I left, it, it moved back to Anthem. Um, but I was a regional vice president for uh, the Midwest part of the, of the company, and it was a $16 million segment. And they never had anyone from PR sit at the leadership table. And I asked if I could do that. And the CEO, the regional CEO said, sure. And later found out that he thought I would be bored, um, but I wasn't. I knew how to read the spreadsheets. I knew the language that they were using and I could then apply that to helping them message information out of that meeting. And so I was welcome back and I was allowed, you know, to, it, it allowed me to have a larger sphere of influence within the organization. So certainly look for those opportunities. And then the last is, is to have like your own personal board of directors, um, mentors that can help you, that you can go to and, and seek advice and, and help, you know, help yourself grow as you 
work your way through organizations up into leadership positions. And, and maybe even a PS to all that is also not to be afraid to ask, whether it's for professional development, but if it's also um, changes in your job in order for you to be happy. And again, it doesn't have to be just about being a parent, but it might be about making sure that it uh, works for the lifestyle that you want and you can still work well for the organization, but not be afraid to ask for those accommodations. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. You mentioned it when you're going over the second uh, topic was just you asked to you know join in on that meeting. And that seems to be a key to success in anything you want to do in life is just to, you know, don't be afraid to ask a question. Don't be afraid to ask for that opportunity. Um, and there was also something you mentioned on the first point. You said that um, the field is evolving currently. It's evolving uh, rapidly. And I'm kind of curious how that how it is evolving as opposed to when you were working directly in public relations. Um, well, I think some of the biggest things have to do with our understanding of uh, analytics. Um, and, and again, this is something that's going across all organizations, right, is we have better access to data into information. So we have different insights that now can allow us to be more scientific about the strategies that we recommend, um, but also to evaluate those and uh, to see whether or not they're working or make adjustments that we need to. So a lot of it's on the analytics side, but it, um, at the same point, it, it's still about building relationships. And that, that can be pretty old fashioned, you know, whether or not it's, it's face to face or through of the many, many channels that we've now grown to have compared to maybe what we had 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but it's still about those relationships. Old fashioned is old fashioned for a reason, you know, it works, it stays around. Um, and there's a saying like cliches are cliches for a reason. It's because it's common and it works. Yeah. And we're seeing that how the importance of relationships, you know, post pandemic, as far as what right. we, what we missed when we were not with people. Yeah. And in terms of the pandemic and public relations, that seemed to be a large time when public is public relationists a term public relationists. Is that a term or specialists, maybe practitioners? Okay, it seemed that uh, the PR, you know, industry was called on during the pandemic to create those messages that were necessary and helpful to businesses. Is that true? Oh yeah, I, I mean certainly, and I think you know that's again something that had to rapidly change. And that can be, uh, you know, a very exciting aspect of public relations, but it can also be very challenging, um, you know, because the information was changing, what we knew, what the circumstances were. You know, we went from, you know, everything from it's in China, it's not going to come here to, you know, we shut everything down. Right. Um, and, and so public relations had a key role in that, but it's also a lot about informing people, changing attitudes and changing behavior. So you think about um, what has had to happen in the last year and a half about people understanding, you know, everything from, you know, the scientific aspect of COVID and how it spread, um, 
to why mask wearing became important to now why people uh, should have their vaccines. Yeah, and that's that's kind of it's a lot to unload on the public, right? That's a lot of information, a lot of new information that many of us have never heard unless we were alive in what 1920 when the flu epidemic was or pandemic was. But um speaking of, you know, the information and getting it out to the public, there was another article I was looking at and this brings us back kind of to our main topic about females in public relation and it I forget what exactly they called it, so excuse me if I blunder this, but there was like the pretty face effect or something like that. The pretty face um, something. But it's referring to females having a better opportunity at success or at least perceived success because the statistics tell us otherwise um, because people like seeing, you know, a female up on stage giving information rather than some old bossy man, right? Does, I mean... I don't know if that statistic, speaking as a male, obviously, I don't know if hearing something like that um, is ruffles some feathers or if you think it's true, but I'm kind of curious to know what you think about that. And I'm sure everyone listening would like to know. Uh, well, I probably need to see more about it. Right. Um, but anecdotally, I mean, you certainly see that with um, just how uh sports announcing has changed in the role of having uh, female reporters on the field or interacting with people um, and, you know, down to the role of, of women in certain positions um, on stage for, for different things. So it's hard yeah. to say. Yeah. And it's funny you bring that up because I was just talking to Jody Rogenson yesterday um, about sports communication, kind of a general thing. And we got into the topic of genders announcing the other gender sports. So a female broadcaster talking about football or a male broadcaster talking about volleyball back and forth. And there there was research done that's like when the opposite gender is commentating on um, the sport of the other gender, they lose credibility. So it's just it seems to be I don't know why gender has to be such a big deal, but I guess it is. I guess it it makes a lot of decisions in the subconscious of people's minds. We're closing in on about 30 minutes here, which is always a good um, roundabout stopping point. I just have one more question I want to ask you, and it falls heavily into the, the main topic we're talking about. But if we do want to see some big changes, we are making good strides as a society to have equality and to, you know, to overcome this issue we've been talking about. But it seems that a big, maybe that last little leap we need, the last push is going to lie with people like myself, like a white male who hardly has, you know, any room to speak on like, oh, I've experienced this type of um, inequality or discrimination or stuff like that. It's, it's really hard for someone like myself to even imagine, you know, what many women or minorities deal with on a day-to-day basis. So how would you say that people such as myself or that 80% of uh, male CEOs can help females, can help this problem and help the progression? I I think it's first and foremost, it's about being open to change and being open to back to this idea of being human friendly um, and, and not necessarily having to worry about being female friendly, but human friendly. How can we make the workplace a more equitable place so that everyone, no matter what their circumstances are, can balance their job and their personal life in a way that is fulfilling for them. 
um, how can we make note of people who perhaps may not tap themselves or raise their hand um, to, to sign up to do something? How can we find those people and either mentor them or help them with professional development or just say, hey, I think that you would be a good leader down the road. It's also uh, about, uh, you know, trying to bring in those opportunities to educate everyone. So it's not just about what you personally may or may not do, but it's about helping to change the attitudes in the workplace to make sure that we realize that the best way for, a, you know, a public relations agency or a department to move forward is to be as diverse as possible and as open as possible to all different viewpoints. So trying to help um, build that type of a culture ultimately would help bring all these other things about. Yeah, I like that advice very much. I like hearing that and because I like to believe that we are on the right path. I mean, it seems that we are. We've made a whole lot of progress, you know, compared to, you can compare it to 10 years ago and you can compare it to 100 years ago. We are moving forward as a society. So. That's good news, and I love the term that you keep using, human-friendly, right? Just get the whole gender thing out of there. It doesn't matter. Human-friendly. Look at each other as humans, and I think we're all going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. I think that that's it. You know, it's certainly recognizing that uh, there have been issues in the past for those, um, you know, those that are female, those that are of certain ethnicities and races, um, you know, we don't want to be blind to the fact that, that right. those things have happened in the ba- in the past. Of course. Um, but it's more about how do we move it forward to make sure that it's human friendly for all. Yes. Well, take it from Dr. Davis, folks. Be human friendly. Give everyone fair opportunities. And we're all going to be okay. Well, Dr. Davis, thank you so much for the great conversation. It was a big, big pleasure. Very eye-opening. I appreciate all the comments so much. And of course, I appreciate all you listeners for tuning in. And please remember to tune in next time as I speak with James Epler about the future of movie releases, uh, cinema in general, as we see this big shift to the digital platforms. This has been James Loss for On Communication. I hope you all learned something today because I know I did.